Welcome to Fleet Baptist Church. We hope you enjoy the latest in our teaching series. Good morning, family. Good morning, Fleet. Good morning, anybody that's joining us. You're very welcome here. We're, we're so pleased that you've you tuned in, whether you're live or if you're watching later. We're so pleased that you're here and you're joining with us. You're journeying with us as we seek the presence of God together as a family, as we seek to to love one another as we seek to love our community and as we gather here as God's people this morning and we continue to pray. Never, never underestimate the power of your prayers, church, especially in this time. It's not God's plan for the church to be um, apart. So continue to pray. We're going to be running a prayer course, as you heard, on Tuesday. If you want to join, that's going to start Tuesday evenings, which is a really, really good tool. We did it um, last year. It's a really, really good tool that I'd highly recommend. And we do the prayer, we do in the prayer um prayer meeting on, on Tuesdays at 12 as well, if you want to join that on Zoom. And just remember your prayers are powerful. Your prayers are so powerful. And I believe that with prayer, we can truly change the world. You can truly change the course of nature. And you don't have to read far in the Bible to recognize that. So I'd encourage you to pray. And we know that in Matthew 24, 20, 24-7, Jesus talks about the things that are going on in the world. I'll, I'll encourage you, church, do not be afraid. Okay, Jesus says, take heart, he has overcome the world. It doesn't mean we stop praying, but do not be afraid of these things. Jesus said these things will come, and it will be the beginning of things to come. But it's not something we should be afraid of, because Jesus says, take heart, he has overcome the world. So have hope today, church, have hope. Good things are coming. He makes all things come together for the good. Amen, 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 amen. So we're in January, week two of January. And um, I've got the honor, again, of speaking to you guys. Thank you for your grace, your honor, your love, your patience with, with me, with us. And uh, this morning, I, as I was praying, I kind of was tempted to move in what most people walk in in January. It's, an, it's a fresh start, right? It's a new beginning. It's a new year. New year, new me. Um, the old is gone. And the, the gym start filling up. The, the Every, the new new ways of her habits are trying to be created this this kind of thing and it's, it's, a, it's a drive from society to have a fresh start a fresh vision and a fresh perspective and that's good and we need that and today actually I want to talk a little bit about that today and I want to talk a little bit about the fact that your perspective is everything your perspective and how you think how you see how you take information in is everything and I want to suggest that if you can change the way you think you will change the way you live Okay, and we know that it's not impossible to change the way you think. Okay, and the Bible tells us, okay, that we do not conform to the pattern of this world. We don't conform to what is going on around us. We, we do the thing that isn't popular. We live by righteousness. We live by the word of God. We live by the Bible standards. We do not live by the standards of the world. We live by the truth of the word that is within the scriptures for ourselves. We do not conform to the pattern of this world. And within the Old Testament, the Israelites, when they would take a new land, God would be very, very strict and very, very um, passionate about them not taking on the culture of the land they were inheriting. He had to make sure a lot of the stuff was destroyed, the idols, the, the gods, even some of the people, because the line that was carried from the, the bloodline previously and he knew that the, it's a trap and a snare to conform to the pattern of this world. 
and he knew that it was a serious thing, the Israelites. In order to, for, for, the, for history to get to the place it needed to be, he, needed, he knew the Israelites needed to take things very seriously and not conforming to the patterns of the cultures they were entering into. Does that make sense? And it's important for us. But what is the key right there? Okay, so the rest of the verse says, the key says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You are transformed by the renewing of your thinking. You are transformed by the renewing of your mind. So it doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian, how long you've been going to church, we are all in the same place of our minds need to be renewed. And maturity has nothing to do with how long you've been a Christian. Maturity has everything to do with how deep you apply the Bible to your life, how deep you are in God, how close of relationship and intimacy you are to Yahweh, to God. And it's the same with us. So if we can change the way we think, if we can change our perspective, we can change the way we live and how we see. And for us, I believe the goal is to not see as the world sees, but to see how heaven sees. And we're going to unpack that a little bit today. And Proverbs 23, verse 7 says this, For a man thinketh in his heart, I've added the if in there, thinketh in his heart, so he is. And it's the importance, if you can transform the innocent person, the, your thinking within you can transform what goes on on the outside. And it would, be, it would be lovely, it would be so lovely if it was an instantaneous thing, but it's majority of the time it is not. And I'm a first-hand witness of God transforming the way I think, the way I see, the way I speak, the way I live, from his grace, from his discipline. Sometimes it's been a stern rebuke for me, from his word, applying our lives to the word of God. And sometimes it's been instantaneous, but a lot of the time it's a process. A lot of the time it's a process because he wants us to enjoy the journey more than the destination at times. And a lot of the time we think that God is just this just genie who can work, click his fingers and things can be done, which he can do, of course. He, he spoke the world into existence. But for example, the Israelites need to get to promised land. He didn't just pick them all up in his hand and put them there. They had the journey there to walk, they had to go through the process of getting to the promised land. And there's a lot more examples like a Jews, but that's just my point right here, right now. So we're going to read together from the book of Jonah this morning, and we're going to read about how God shifted the perspective of this prophet Jonah. So join with me in Jonah verse 1. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai, Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa, which is Jaffa, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. And he bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm and threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for the help and threw their cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep in the hold. So the captain went down after him. How can you be asleep at this time, at a time like this? He shouted, get up and praise your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. And we're just going to pause there. I don't know about you, but my perspective of Jonah growing up was just given to me from Sunday school. And it was great. I loved it. Because I, I love the story of him being eaten by a fish. I love the story of how God changed, changed the whole situation. 
But right here, right now, unpacking the book of Jonah, there's so much more to it than first meets the eye and what we intentionally may have thought about the book of Jonah. And so we've got the situation here where Jonah is running from God. He probably didn't see that hiding from God is a good idea from the book of Genesis, okay? So he thinks he can run from God for one. Okay, and you've got so many similarities here within Jonah and Jesus. Okay, so you can see there's a storm going on. Where can we recognize there's a storm, read there's a storm going on in the New Testament? We also see that Jonah is sleeping. Okay, in the midst of a storm, who else do we know that is sleeping within the storm? The captain has to come and wake him up. Okay, that captain has the same terminology that the disciples were using. So everyone's freaking out. Everyone's saying, Why, how can this guy sleep? And they're crying out to their gods. And Jonah wakes up. If you know the story, Jonah wakes up and he says, this is my fault. You need to throw me overboard. But what they do, they, they row hard and the more they row, the more the storm comes. And he said, this is my fault. Throw me overboard and the storm will stop. So what they do, they throw him overboard and immediately the storm stops. That's what the Bible says. So suddenly the storm Stops. So Jonah is now at the mercy of God. Okay, he's now at the mercy of God in the in the ocean, falling ever so slowly. But the grace of God comes along, swallows him up. And there's another another relation to the life of Christ. Who actually Jesus refers to himself, similarly to Jonah, spending three nights in the in in darkness as Jonah spent three nights within the fish, and Jesus obviously spent three nights before he died, before he rose again, sorry. Okay, so this is where we're at. So he's been eaten by the fish, he's in the fish, he, he's, he's done this prayer, and if you can read it for yourselves, but for the sake of time, we're just gonna move forward. Okay, so he's changed, he's changed his perspective, he's going back to Nineveh, and the, the, the fish, this mighty fish, spits Jonah out, and off, Jonah goes back to Nineveh. So to give you a bit of understanding about Nineveh, Nineveh was a huge city. Okay, let's, let's, let's think of it as London in those times. But it was rampant in sin. It was a Gentile nation. It was a town, a city that was just ripe in sin, ripe in pagan gods. And it was a, pe- a people that the Jewish people did not like, did not want to go after, and did not want to really associate with. It was a little bit north in a place called Syria. And it was done. They didn't want to go there. And you can understand why Jonah didn't want to go there. And that was my thinking. Okay, so Sunday school was that Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh because the people were mean. The people were big, ugly brutes. You know, you don't want to go to those people that are scary. Okay, but that may not be the case as we read on a bit further. So Nineveh, it's a large city. And Jonah has finally gone from the mercy of God, okay? And God has saved his life and to give him another chance to go back and declare judgment upon the town of Nineveh. So for me, it strikes me that God is desperate for people to hear this message. And for Jonah, okay, a bit of history here. Jonah and the Israelite Israelite people had forgotten their original purpose within Genesis, which God gave gave to Abraham in Genesis 22, 18, which which was to be a blessing to all nations. He was blessed to be a blessing. And that's what the Israelite people are called to do for a purpose and to bring God's word to other nations. It was a missional focus from the get-go, from day one, from Genesis. God's purpose for his people, includes you and me, is missional. Okay, and Jonah had forgotten this and he was running from this. So let's continue to read in Jonah 3, verse 9, that he's been spat by the fish. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. 
This time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large it took three days to see it all. On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. The people of Nineveh believed God's message and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. Now that, I'm going to just pause right there, that in itself is another miracle. That in itself is another miracle. The fact that Jonah goes to the streets, an unknown man shouts within the streets, and what is their response? They don't kick him out, they don't stone him. Their response is to repent and transform and be open to what God is saying and to do the, do the whole um, smorgasbord of burlash to call out to God and say, actually, have mercy on us. And that is a miracle right there. I don't know many churches, of course, not including us, that would repent that quickly and that instantly. Verse 6. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne and took off his royal robes. He dressed himself in burlap and sat on a heap of ashes. So as I was saying, the Jewish people and even ourselves in reading this, we would have seen Nineveh as a dark place, a spiritual dark place and a physical dark place that you do not want to go. But what did God see them as? Jonah saw them as a place where he didn't want to go. God saw them as a place of actually, I've got a message for these guys and I believe they can hear it. And if they listen to it, there can be transformation. And I want to just put an encouragement out there to you guys. What does God see in your neighbours? What does God see in your town, in your workplace, in those guys that seem too far gone? How do we see it, and how does God see it? And we're going to read the response of Jonah to their repentance. And this is the good part, so hang on to your horses. Jonah 4, verse 3. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. And this is the piece I love. I love this. I love this. He says, didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? This is why I ran to Tarshish. So stop right, let's, let's stop right there. The reason he ran to Tarshish was not because he was afraid of the Ninevites. The reason he ran to Tarshish was because he knew God was all loving, all gracious, all compassionate, and slow to anger and rich in love. He knew it, and I love the depth of relationship he has and the understanding he has of God's nature. To be like, I knew you were going to do this, God. I knew you were never going to go through with your word. Like, you said this, but I knew really back you weren't ever going to do this. If they repented, I knew you were going to take them back, and they don't deserve it. And this is why he was angry, but I love that. I love the fact that Jonah had an understanding of God's character to say... I knew you were going to do that, God. I knew you were so kind and so gracious that you'd never really do that. Let's just continue reading. This is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you were a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. Note, God does not enjoy destroying people. God did not enjoy destroying people. It is not his will for his children to be condemned. It's so important we know the character of God. Verse 3, just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive. 
if, I, if what I predicted will not happen. So Jonah is angry because he knew that God's mercy would triumph over his judgment. And the book of, book of James will affirm that with us. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And he's angry and he's upset and he's, he wants them to be destroyed. He doesn't believe they deserve God's grace. Sounds a lot like the older brother in the parable of the lost son. But God was eager. He was so strong on this message for the people of Nineveh to hear. He was eager for them to hear it because God doesn't look at the outward appearance. He looks at the heart. He looks at the heart. And the whole book of Jonah, I believe, is God pointing out his prophet and shifting his perspective. He doesn't do it with a snap of his fingers. He does it through trials and circumstances. And we're going to continue reading the book of Jonah in verse 4, 10. And before that, so let me just give you a bit of background before this. Okay, so Jonah's angry. He goes up to the top of the hill to await if what he predicted is going to come out in his prediction was judgment. So he's up there and he's angry, he's annoyed, he wants to die. And God sends him a leaf, okay, to cover him from the sun. And he's relieved at the leaf growing because it's shading him from the, from, the, from the sun. And then God sends a worm and the worm eats, eats the leaf and takes away the shade. So Jonah's equally more annoyed. And this is where we come in. Then the Lord said, you feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Another pause. God cares about animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? And that's where it ends. God longs and loves to shift perspective. He loves for us to stand within him and see how he sees. And it doesn't come instantaneously. Sometimes God will take us through tests and trials to change the way we see, change the way we love, how much grace we're going to be pouring out upon people. And I believe this whole story, God was changing the perspective of Jonah and reminding him of his, the covenant he made of Abraham to be a blessing to all nations and to imitate his nature which is all loving slow to anger gracious merciful kind compassionate and this is this has meant me made me go on a, a deep theological search on the, the verses that talk about god changing his mind with the verses of abraham with with moses and the question really raised for you to think about is, does God really change his mind? Can he change his mind? Or is he trying to get man to change his mind? Is he trying to teach man a lesson within his responses? So our perspective is everything to God. In this time, and this season, in our friendships, in our relationships, in our churches, in our towns, our perspective is everything. And we can see how Caleb was rewarded on his perspective Within the book of Numbers, I believe it is. Where Caleb and Joshua are sent as scouts into the promised land to see what the land was like that God had promised them. And a few others go with them. But Caleb and Joshua's perspective is totally different to the rest of them. 
Caleb and Joshua come back and say, oh, flipping heck, just like that is in scripture. Flipping it, you should see how big these guys are. I can't wait to see how God's going to deal with these guys. It's amazing. It's an amazing opportunity to see how God's going to move. Along the lines of that. My own words added, obviously. But the rest of them came back. Oh, you know, it's a bit scary out there. I don't think, the Lord led us to our death. We're not going to be able to do it. I don't know what's going to happen. They're big, they're scary. He's, he's, just, he's brought us here to kill us. He, I don't know what's going to happen. And that perspective stunted Israel's growth for years and years and years and years. But Caleb and Joshua were rewarded for their perspective in years to come. And you read about Caleb, who's 87 years old, I believe, who's stronger than ever, fitter than ever, and fighting like he's 20 years old. The right perspective is good for you and it's good for him. And he longs for us to stand in a good perspective of the world going on around us. David and Goliath, last one for you. David and Goliath. All of Israel saw this giant, this man defiling the, the land of Israel, calling, calling out people to fight him. But there was one young man with a different perspective. His name was David. And he did not fight with swords. He did not fight with nice fancy armor. He went in the power in the name of a Lord. And it took a few stones and a sling to defeat him. Why? Because his perspective was different. Because he stood within heaven's reality and not the earth's. And for us, it's about standing within Christ. You know, the Bible says that you are in Christ. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. And that is you. Therefore, for me, it looks like standing within Christ and seeing out of that place and not seeing out from where we're standing, from where I'm standing on this earth. Colossians 3 verse 2 says this, Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Church, let me challenge you. Pray big prayers. Step out in faith. Let you be anointed with the perspective of heaven in this pandemic, in this, this season of life that we're in. May we have the perspective of Caleb and Joshua. May we have the perspective of Jesus. And may we learn quickly from the lessons God is teaching us and taking us through to get heaven's perspective. I hope this has all made sense. I hope that you feel encouraged. I hope that you feel challenged. As we look on right now to the future with hope, with joy, with gladness, and with heaven's perspective. Let me pray. Let me pray. Holy Spirit, I just ask that everyone listening to this right now would receive, receive the revelation and the knowledge and the understanding to walk in fresh perspective, fresh lenses, fresh seeing, fresh hearing, fresh, fresh outlook. And Father, I ask by the power of your spirit, by the power of your love, would you pour out a perspective upon your people here at FBC? that would be pleasing to you. 
that the words of our mouths and meditations of our heart would be pleasing to you, Father. But right now, Holy Spirit, I ask in the name of Jesus, you would pour out a blessing and a breakthrough over minds right now. Cycles of thinking that people have been in for years and years and years, even since the day they've been born, Father, I ask that there'll be just supernatural breakthrough within that right now. And for people that are on the journey of changing their thinking, Father, would you give them the determination, the push, the drive to continue going forward? Holy Spirit, we, we love you and we need you and we thank you for journeying with us. And I just pray and I declare brand new minds, the mind of Christ to be released in this church in the name of Jesus in 2021. That as we continue to journey through this year, our thoughts would be your thoughts, our eyes would be your eyes, our words would be your words. Would you bless our minds, Jesus? Bless our neuron pathways. In the mighty, holy, precious name of Yahweh, we pray and we worship you.